0: Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. On today's episode, we interview Marissa Cummings, the Director of Native Student Services at USD. Marissa, how's it going this morning?
1: Good, thank you.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are the director of the Native American Cultural Center. Um, For members of our audience who might not be familiar with what uh, that center does, um, just tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so um, the Native American Cultural Center is um, a building here on campus. It's actually right across from Slagle Hall, um, and it's a separate home-like structure, um, and it, housed, it houses Native Student Services. So I'm actually the director of Native Student Services, um, and I am under Kim Greaves and Student Services as as a whole, so I'm part of that department. Um, and what we do is cultural, academic, and social programming for Native students here on campus. Um, I've also facilitated some trainings Um and just overall collaborate with various departments across campus. Um, just to give some background on myself, I'm a graduate of the University of Iowa and my bachelor's degree in American Studies Um And then I moved back to the area. I actually lived in Iowa City for 18 years. I moved back to the area in 2012 and took a position with Little Priest Tribal College um, where I was an administrator. And then I took a position with my tribe as the chief tribal officer where I oversaw all of our tribal programs um, and our administration And then I realized I really wanted to get back into higher ed. I really missed working with students. Um, And I came here as the original eye care coordinator for the eye care grant through the Office of uh, Violence Against Women. Um, And then Jean uh, Thinelk decided to retire. And so um, I just really saw that as an opportunity to engage more with students and really have that one-on-one contact that I I really looked forward to. So um, in July, I took the position as director of Native Student Services.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about Eye Care. I was I was hoping that was going to come up. What is Eye Care? And, and like I said, you kind of were there for the start of it and helped really launch that program at USD. What does it do, and why um, is it so? kind of critical, I think, important to what we have going on at USD?
1: Right. So iCare is a sexual assault prevention grant. And there was a lot of people involved in the writing of the grant um, before I came on board. Um, but when I came on board, I think that's when you saw a lot more publicity material, the branding of iCare, um, as well as a lot of events that happened across campus. So iCare's goals are to uh, reduce sexual assault and prevent sexual assaults on campus. And that's done through a variety of ways. But most importantly, um, it creates a core group of people, which is called the Coordinated Community Response Team. And that core group of people has the ability to cause real institutional change here on campus. And I think we have. I think in the two years since ICARE has been going on, we've seen changes here on campus. Um, one of the big things that will be coming up now, actually, Chelsea Simmons is the new uh, program coordinator for ICARE. So we're really excited to have her here. She also has a University of Iowa background, which is awesome. Um, I love South Dakota, but I also love the Hawk guys so um, Chelsea will be doing some really great work with um, with prevention strategies and also um, developing a program um, called Yotes care and that program will actually be um, like a bystander intervention program specifically branded to the USD so we're really excited about that and that's
0: you know one thing that I think I was unfamiliar with before um, I care really started to kind of promote sexual assault prevention was bystander intervention training. Uh, can you explain to our audience, what is bystander intervention? Why does it matter? Why is it important?
1: Yeah, so I, I definitely can. I was first exposed to bystander intervention training. Um, my kids go to Sioux City West High School, and my son came home and told me how he was part of a program, um, and it's actually called MVP there, Mentors in Violence Prevention, um, and actually a USD grad. Um, has He has two degrees from the University of South Dakota. Alan Heisterkamp is the one who created and modeled this program. Um, he's a professor at the University of Northern Iowa now. And MVP was designed for athletes and student leaders in high school um, to promote uh basically healthy behaviors and to teach them healthy healthy behaviors and bystander intervention. So my son came home one day talking about intervention techniques, and I was like, what are you talking—but he was the quarterback of the football team. And so they saw that as a leadership position where we he, through— Teaching him bystander intervention, he would have the ability to teach a lot of his peers, um, and I really thought that was a great methodology to use. And so when um, when I started eye Care and through the Office of Violence Against Women, they started to talk about um, this type of program. I was like, this would be awesome here at USD, right? Um, and I think we, we all believe that. So basically, there's different intervention techniques, right? So you can, if you see violence happening in front of you, you can, like, distract the person committing the act of violence. You can intervene directly. Um, you could ask for assistance, like call the police or call for backup. So teaching people different methods so that when they do experience it and see it, it they automatically, it goes back to their minds. How can I prevent this from happening? Um, and what strategy am I comfortable using? I think that's really critical, too. You
0: know, that's so interesting to me. I jumped back into graduate school this fall, and so I went through a bystander intervention training, and I've, I found it really informative. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have been in a situation in their life where something didn't feel right, and I think that was something that was kind of a reoccurring theme in, in our training was, you know, I think a lot of times even good intention people, they get trapped, they get paralyzed a little bit yeah. by the situation. They don't know how to handle it, um, and they for lack of a better word they're scared to act and that's what I thought was novel about this approach is it kind of like takes that into consideration and it, and it shows you a way how like you said to distract somebody from the situation or de-escalate the situation or um, you know distract the, the you know person who might be acting inappropriately for half a second to allow the other person to um, get to a safer situation I, I just it was a it it was totally kind of new way for me to look at it and it resonated with me i mean I, mm-hmm. I i i thought it was it was something when i was 18 19 years old i i think would have been really valuable right. um uh, to learn um now you have a new role you, you said you're the director of of native student services mm-hmm. um what you know Gene, obviously uh, big shoes to fill obviously right? I, I, and, and i hate to say that but it <laughs> no, it's, it's true. so true um it, what how have you kind of taken that into consideration as you approach this job? Um, obviously, you're not you're your own person. You kind of have to put your own stamp, I think, so to speak, a little bit about the programming that the NAC offers and um, the relationships that you're going to build with students. I mean, how have you kind of taken on this role and kind of run with it?
1: Yeah, so I think um, part of the transition for me that was awesome is that I've known Jean for a long time. Um, Jean's daughter, Erin, actually um, received her bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Iowa. And so Erin and I have been very good friends. We call each other sisters for a long time and also his daughter, Serene. And so um, having that relationship... Did did really help with their support um, in transitioning. Um, and obviously, Gene has incredible shoes to fill. He has a, a lifelong here legacy here in Vermilion. He's done incredible work throughout his career. Um, and Gene is and he's an elder now. He's a man and he's a spiritual leader, which um, I'm none of those three things. Right. And so it's a very different, um, different feel so um, yeah and, and for me programming is one of my assets um, and I think that, that was you saw that with I Care. Um, programming is something that comes easily to me and, and I really enjoy doing it and so we jumped right in with November Native American Heritage Month programming, um, we had a week of missing and murdered indigenous women um, awareness and so that kind of fed into the work I did with I Care. Um, and then we also had a, a round dance, we brought in Red Wing Thomas who's a Dakota language teacher and he gave a talk on Dakota language revitalization. Um, we what else did we do? Um, we had events at the uh, at the NAC. We had a harvest dinner for our students. Um, so just a lot of activities that we really wanted to engage. For me it's important. Um, actually essential to engage the university community in our events so um, it is a little different climate here than what I'm used to at the University of Iowa it is a little more segregated here Um, and so what I would really like to see is us break down um, those barriers those intercultural barriers and really be inclusive of everybody on campus Um, and the information that we offer at these programs is for everyone so anything that's advertised publicly is for anyone to attend and we encourage people to attend.
0: Well, and I think that's really interesting. I mean, talk a little bit about why is it important to kind of cross-collaborate? I mean, that, that is, I think, the strength, right, of a liberal arts institution is that you have so many you know, experts that are, are experts in their field, and they can kind of lend that expertise to others when um, you kind of find those nexus points where subject matters meet. Why is... I guess that cross-collaboration so important um, for your students here at USD.
1: Yeah, so I was really lucky when I came on board to have colleagues that are doing amazing work here on campus, right? So Dr. Boxer with the Native American Studies program, um, her and I developed a really good relationship where a lot of the programming we did was collaborative. Um, we taught students how to make ribbon skirts. Um, and people may see that as like, I mean, there's so many components to that, right? There's artistic component. The specific skirt that we did was for missing and murdered, and it showed each color of the skirt showed a component of violence that leads to Native women going missing and murdered. Um, but it also taught our students a skill to wear these skirts that are ceremonially worn. Um, so there were so many components to that workshop. And then Elise made it even more awesome, and on a visit day for admissions, she put the skirt on um, one of the balloon, if you saw the different balloon um, I guess Michelle Turner does an amazing job with this. She creates these balloon images. Um, So each department on campus had a balloon image that represented that department. So for Native American Studies, it was a woman. It was a girl with braids, and they put the skirt on... Um, the image. And so when people saw Native American studies, that's what they saw. So and of course, that's collaborating with Michelle and Elise. And, um, but uh, when we talk about larger programming, too, um, different, um, different programs have asked me to come talk to their classes about different subjects, and I'm more than willing to do that. Um, we're collaborating with the Center for Teaching and Learning on two programs um, next semester, where we can engage faculty and staff on how to more effectively work with Native American students on campus that will hopefully aid in their retention, right, and their, um, actually their retention and their um, success to graduation, right. So those, um, t- for me, I see a lot of this is how can we better create a climate here on campus that will lead to um, higher Um, rates of Native American student success that will lead to a really positive experience for Native American students, um, and also to uh, develop relationships with them as alumni. So they'll want to come back and engage in the community here at at USD.
0: You know, you spoke about um, missing and murdered indigenous women. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that I've been proud of, I think, USD's efforts on. I think that they've really recognized that as Mm -hmm. being a pretty troubling issue in in our society that oftentimes is ignored, frankly. Um, And I've seen a lot of momentum, I think, of trying to bring awareness to that. I I don't know if you can speak a little bit about that, kind of where it's at, um, and some of the problems, I guess, that, that we here in the Upper Plains maybe don't recognize, but really does exist.
1: Right. So um, the issue of Native women um, or Indigenous women becoming missing or being found murdered has really happened um, since contact, right? It's it's nothing new. Um, but what we're seeing now is there's issues with jurisdiction, whether it be state, tribal, and federal jurisdictional issues. There's issues with data, data keeping track of the numbers, keeping track of, of the locations, um, and so what, who we brought in, one of our speakers was Anita Lucchesi. And Anita has created a database that actually the FBI and the Department of Justice wanted access to, which she spoke to when she was here. Um, but she created a database. So how do we keep track of where, missing, where women are going missing at? Um, what are the issues that lead to them becoming missing or being found murdered? Um, and so there's, there's a lot of, um, of efforts here in South Dakota. Um, we know that Trafficking is also tied into missing and murdered women. Um, So Sturgis is an area where there's a lot of trafficking that goes on as well as sometimes hunting seasons. Um, So bringing awareness to that and bringing awareness to what to look for, right? If somebody is in trouble, like when we talked about that bystander training, um, how can we make sure that people are just safe, right? And that's what we want for everyone. We just want everyone here on campus to be safe. We want everyone in the state to be safe. And, um, and we also want to make sure that our, um, our Native families are, are taken care of in a, within the judicial process in an appropriate way as well.
0: Yeah, you, know, you spoke about um, how some of the programming offerings that that you have, uh, you know, kind of put forth are really designed to try to increase success for Native American students on campus. I thought that was something that was always interesting when we spoke with Gene. Is that he really looked at the NAC as almost like a home away from Absolutely.
1: home?
0: I, I, from your experience, why why is that so important? I, I, it, to me, it I, I think it it speaks to the environment that gene was obviously able to create but as you kind of look towards you know your vision for the NAC, is that something that you still want to pursue is that something that you still view as an identity
1: Right. Um, And so cultural centers are not uncommon. At the University of Iowa, we had our Latino Native American Cultural Center. We had an Afro house, Asian Pacific Islander house, LGBTQ house. So from my perspective, it's very normal because that was my experience as an undergraduate student. Um, And that the NAC housed um, when we had children. Um, we had law students, medical students, we all collaborated together and created a family-like environment. And so if somebody had a baby, we'd have a baby shower there. It was our, literally our home away from home. Um, and that created an awesome, even today I keep in contact with all of these people that I went to school with, right? Um, so I, I really want to acknowledge the people who did do all the work it took to create the NAC and where it is today. It absolutely is a home away from home for our students. A lot of times um, we come from such – when we talk about walking into worlds, it's a very real thing for us. Our mindset, our even especially if we're first language speakers or if we're language speakers – our mindset is very different in our communities than it is in the outside world. The way that we view um, ourselves from the moment we wake up in the morning till the moment we go to bed. And so when we're um, in the outside world, Um, and operating um, by the outside world standards, a lot of times we have to just reconnect with who we are. And that's what the NAC is. It's a place for us to reconnect with who we are. It's a a place for us to connect with each other. Um, And not just for students, for faculty and staff too, right? Um, It's just really good to have that support mechanism in place. Um, And for us, that's a location. It's an actual physical space. And I really um, respect the university for all of their support that they offer for the NAC. How
0: important are those friendships, mentorship relationships that you create at a a college environment? How important are those later on in your professional career?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're essential, right? I mean, uh, not just um, in terms of the Native community, but all of the community at the university or the institution that you're at. um, Those relationships, for me, have been instrumental, um, both personally in terms of mentorship and professionally in in terms of my career advancement. So um, I really want our students to have that same experience here, and I I think they do. So um, one of the things that I think we're taught in a Native community is that as we rise up, we take people with us, right? Um, and then we mentor them, and we show them the way, and we support them. Um, and uh, like I said, walking into worlds is not easy for us a lot of times. And so, being able to um, to vent, being able to strategize, being able to be solution based, and to have someone keep you solution based when you may be kind of down in the dumps, that's really, really important. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that the alumni dinner is awesome. I also want to say that that is student-led. So that is not us putting that on in Native Student Services. Although we support it um, every way that we can, that is the students putting that together. And that shows what an amazing group of students we have here at USD.
0: So I, I kind of asked this before, but what's next? I mean, what where do you see the NAC going five years from now? What do you hope to have accomplished, I guess? I don't know if that's the right way of even looking at it, but... It, I, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll kind of let you run with it.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I um, I envision is us having a better relationship with the tribes across the state. I would really like to see more tribal engagement. Um, one thing that we've we're kind of throwing around ideas because, of course, it's not just me, right? It's a group of people that all work with Native students. Um, so we have meetings. It's called STAR, and we were talking about um, things like maybe bringing in all of the um, the higher ed people or the advisors at college here on campus and making it like a higher ed day, a tribal higher ed day here at USD. And so um, those people in the departments that that work for tribes will also be connected here with people. Um, and also see what opportunities we have at USD. Because we're always selling, right? Like, I mean, people sell the institution. And so if they have that personal experience or if you know someone that you know is going to help you out, you're more likely to to have a positive experience, right? So um, that's something we've been pondering. Also um, creating a stronger alumni network where we can develop mentorship programming um, directly with uh, alumni and, and current students um that's um that's one thing that we've been pondering also um just having a usd feel so like right now we have uh the lakota invitation look lakota nation invitationals going on lni is huge um and actually my tribe plays we're from nebraska but we play in lni um so uh joe Rainboth is there from admissions right now so Mm -hmm. he's has a usd booth there um and i think that really shows the cross collaboration that we have with various departments on campus and that's what i want to see built i want to see us have this um this internal community here on campus where we know who to go to um, in different departments to support our students the best way we can.
0: You know, the last question we like to ask is maybe a little bit philosophical. And so I'll kind of let you run with it in whatever direction um, you care to. You know, at this point in your life, you've, I think, like you said, had a pretty interesting career. You've worked both in tribal governance, you kind of have transition back into higher education. You've worked, I think, in higher education in two kind of totally radically different areas. Um at this point in your life, what do you know for sure?
1: <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, I I really don't know anything for sure except that um, except about myself, right? So one thing I know about myself is that I have a complete love for my people, my community, um, and that's a selfless love right um and unconditional love for our community um i know that i want to see our children flourish and i want to see our young ones have opportunities um to to practice our language to practice our culture to practice our ceremonies in a way um where they are free from worrying about persecution or they are free to be their authentic selves and that's one thing that i um that I, When I look at my own children, I look at my nieces and nephews growing up, I want them to be their authentic selves. I want them to have opportunity, and I want them to live a beautiful life.
0: Marissa, thank you so much, and thank you for all your hard work here at USD. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grade, so we hope you enjoyed the episode.